to play first half. P.J. Quick little addendum to our podcast here. Uh, we originally recorded this on the day of the trade deadline. Uh, it is not the day of the trade deadline anymore. So we ended up saving the first half of that show, which was recorded on the 25th. And we ended up repurposing it and just posting it as the first half of uh, this week's show. So any references that we make to it being in, in like an emergency podcast or being released like on the day of the trade deadline, just disregard that. And there'll be another little disclaimer like this uh, coming into the second half of the show as well. So stay tuned for that one and just pretend like all references to time and date that we are making are correct. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the At The Hive Live podcast. We are part of your SB Nation network of podcasts. I am your host, Chase. I am with my co-host, James, as always. And today we have an emergency podcast for you to cover the trade deadline. The NBA trade deadline was today, March 25th. We're recording at about 6 p.m. Eastern time. So we're three hours past the let the dust settle a little bit. Uh, The Hornets were rumored to be making a bevy of different moves. Uh, Devontae Graham has been available in recent weeks. They've been connected to... Nikola Vucevic, Miles Turner, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Evan Fournier. The, the list goes on and on of players that the Hornets have been connected to. But we ended up with Brad Wanamaker. Uh, Brad Wanamaker is in his third NBA season. He played two years with the Celtics, and he has played the first half of this season with the Golden State Warriors. Has not been a huge part of their team so far. He's played to 39 games at 16 minutes a game, averaging five points per game two and a half assists and 1.7 rebounds and he is actually a fun fact one of the best free throw shooters in the league uh he 92.6 percent last year i believe that was the highest in the nba but the hornets came out of the trade deadline with a backup point guard so what do you what do you would you what were your initial reactions james um i think initial reactions are like sure makes sense like i, I think going into it we discussed and I, I kind of said like I think they'll make a move but not one of the big moves like a big I think they'll just do something on the edges making use of that 15th roster spot which they kept free um and under the cap and it's, it's basically exactly what they did you know I think it would this trade have happened if Lamelo didn't get injured I I wonder if they'd maybe have looked elsewhere a different positional need I think once Lamelo went down, you look at this team, and if Devonte picked up an injury or got into foul trouble in the game, like you have to trot out either Monk, Rosier, or like Cody Martin at point guard. So a little bit, little bit. When we will get into the details, so I'm a little bit depressed we didn't maybe get a bit more, like a protected second round pick or something like that. But I mean, the, there is literally no cost to this, and there is no downside to it. Um, he's probably better than like the veteran point guards who are unsigned currently. Um, so it's is a perfectly safe like seven out of ten move. I got I got no problems. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean it's it's I it's basically the perfectly average trade that like no one should really have a complaint about, but also nobody's really going to be excited about it either, which is kind of like the deal that I expected the Hornets to make. I didn't think that they would go in and make like a splash or anything, especially once LaMelo got hurt. I figured that 
any possibility of like a a big trade like for my like miles turner probably would be the one that's realistic because we saw Nikola Vucevic went for Wendell Carter and two first round picks, which the Hornets were just not going to match that package because they're not good enough, frankly, to give up that kind of capital. But I mean, I, they, I'm, I'm very, I'm very okay with this. Like they needed a backup point guard pretty badly. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I would have been fine with playing Grant Riller, but the, you know, there aren't, well, aren't this is not- the thing, right? now everyone says like, Oh, they obviously needed a backup point guard. I don't think anybody went into today on the trade deadline being no. like, yeah, I expect the Hornets to come out with the backup point guard. I think everyone kind of just felt like between, like like we said before, like the group of guards who can handle the ball, we're, we're happy for that. But obviously the team didn't feel they were. They did feel they needed to to get some more depth with, with a true point. Yeah, and I think that the main reason they did they did that is because it keeps Terry Rozier off ball. He had to bring the ball up a lot in the last game. And like, not that he did bad at it, but like we've seen that that's not his strength. Like it's basically a weakness of Terry Rozier's playing point guard. And re, like he's, it gets way more looks that like the type of looks you want him to get like movement threes off of pin downs or transition threes and all that when he's not playing point guard, when he has somebody else that's out there like initiating offense, setting the table for people is bringing the ball up, like calling a play, like, Hey, let's get Terry an open three here. You know, that's not, it's much harder for him to do that for himself when he also has to bring the ball up the court and be tasked with making plays for his teammates and just making sure the offense runs smoothly. So I do like it from that perspective, but you know, if LaMelo comes back, which is like a huge if, uh, because I, I don't I'm not like holding out hope for that or anything, but if that does happen, like, I mean, that this trade becomes like pretty much completely useless because like Wanamaker would not get off the bench in that scenario. Like, yeah, there's just no chance really. Like, unless you're going to play him as like a third guard uh, off the bench, which is not going to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not, it's not happening. He can be but, like a good vet. Like I think he's a, he's a real pro Wanamaker. He I is. He one is. of the reasons he's, he's stuck in the league after coming back from, from Europe where he played for a few teams and then played well out there. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why he stuck around. Yeah, and I that's a good point too, his just veteran presence, because the Hornets like don't have that many of those. Like it's really just Cody Zeller and Biz and Hayward. Like Terry Rozier and Devante and the Martin twins are like 26 and 27, but they're not really like veteran leaders. Brad Wanamaker can be a veteran leader. The just just turning 32 this year. So yeah, exactly. And his experience is like Play, he went undrafted, played in Europe for uh, seven years before he came over to the NBA and then played two seasons with the, the Celtics for, in 2018 to 2020. So he's a, he's a well-traveled guy. He definitely knows what it takes to compete in the NBA. And he knows what it takes to compete in the playoffs, which is another important thing because he has played plenty of playoff games with the Celtics. Obviously, he would have played playoff games most likely this year if he'd stayed in Golden State too. So he's been around winning teams uh, that have you know gotten past the level that the Hornets are on right now so I think that'll be a nice like nice little bit of of experience that he can share with the younger players but I mean yeah it's, it's kind of the a very milk toast trade it's not it good is, it's, or bad it's just, it's just a trade. the same as when then Bobcats traded for Brian Roberts the, a few years ago then a few years ago again the Shel- the Hornets traded for Shelvin Mack yeah, um, I remember that well, one. Well, like yep. the, the Hornets have got a strong track record of trading for a, a third backup guard at the trade deadline. And I mean, let's hope it goes better than the first two. 
I'll be surprised because I, I didn't really see him getting playing time unless Devonta get. Like, do you think he's in the rotation if it if it stays the the these players available now? Like, do you think he takes the backup minutes? I I don't think he does. I think I think they'll stick with the the Monk, Rosier, Cody Martin kind of platter of ball handlers, and I think he's more there if if one of them gets injured then he's like the breaking case of emergency guy. That's a good point. See, when I first saw the trade, like it immediately popped into my head, like, okay, he's just going to be like a low minute backup point guard. But you're actually right that he probably doesn't, he's probably not in the rotation. Like, or he's not going to play tomorrow. I assume just because he'd be traveling and has to pass protocols and whatnot. But the next, the first game he'd be available for. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be in the rotation. I want to say I mean, that he if, should If he be. is, he's playing, you, you think he's got to play, like, Borrego doesn't normally play guys for, like, four minutes, does he? So yeah, no, exactly. You, you think he'd play 10 to 12 minutes a night. So then that's 10 or 12 minutes you're taking away from Malik. You're taking away from Cody Martin. You're taking away from Terry Rozier. I, I just I just don't know if I see that. I think he is a, he's going to be there if we need him, but he might not play at all. Yeah, you're probably right, because I think uh, I'm looking at the box score from the last game, and that's not, not very telling because they didn't, they, you know, half of it, the second half was garbage time. But I think, yeah, like it would be obviously Malik Miles and Cody Martin are the three big bench guys. And I th- yeah, I don't know. There'd probably be like, what, eight to t- eight minutes, I think, left over if they all play their, their normal amount. I think the, yeah. the ninth guy usually gets like – eight minutes is what biz would get or Caleb Martin when he was, when the team was fully healthy. So I don't know. He, yeah, he probably won't be in, in the rotation at least right away. I would not be surprised if he does work his way in though, because like, I don't, I don't know if any Hornets fans like know a lot about him. So I guess I'll just give a little bit of. Yeah. Dude, tell people. Yeah. He was like, he was pretty good in Europe. Like he could have stayed in Europe. He was a EuroLeague MVP or finals MVP one year with uh, Fenerbahce when he won a uh, or, or the title there he's a very like a really hard-nosed like tough point guard he played for pittsburgh he fu- another okay people will actually they'll definitely get this so any hornets fan that has watched video of the cardiac kemba shot when he was at yukon in the big east tournament brad wanamaker switches off of kemba in that oh, clip really i didn't yes. know that at Great the beginning fact. at the very beginning brad wanamaker is guarding kemba and he switches off for i don't know what the guy's name is i don't i'm not going to say it even if i did because I, that's not a moment he wants to be remembered for i'm sure but yeah i mean brad wanamaker was almost at the receiving end or he was at the receiving end but he was almost the defender that gave up the cardiac kemba shot which wow. is pretty cool that he ended up and eventually playing for the hornets too but he's he's been a good player for I mean, a really, really long time. He went from Pittsburgh for, or from 2007 to 11, played in Europe for eight years, went to the Celtics. He basically was kind of just a, a bit like, like what he'll be with the Hornets, just a break glass in case of emergency. If you need me, I'm there. If you, if I'm, you don't need me, I'm going to be there and be a really good teammate on the sidelines. Like his playoff career with the Celtics last season, he played 17 games and had 16 minutes a game. He shot 48% from the field, 44% from three, 88% from the free throw line with 4.9 points and two, 1.8 assists and two rebounds. So like, those are pretty good playoff numbers for who's probably going to be your third guard. If you're, you know, a good team in the playoffs. So 
he's definitely like a good player. He's not he's not just like a scrub. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think at this stage, like that last roster spot, we got enough young guys on this team. We don't need to take like I don't know a G League undrafted rookie. Like I think we've got enough of those to, to focus on right now. I, I do think it's right that we've used that spot on a guy who's been around the game. He's going and played in Europe. Like he's going to be able to impart his wisdom. So I think that works. I think. It's, I actually wrote a story about kind of the Hornets' secret trade chip being that 15th roster spot and having four million in cap space a while ago. Oh my and God, that, you called it. You called your shot with that. That is exactly what happened. Well, well, I almost called it. I even said, I used the example of Golden State saying this is how much they're over, this is how much they have to pay in luxury mm-hmm. tax. What if we took on, and I, you know, I was torn between which player should I use in this example? Should I use... Marquis Chris, or should I use Brad Wanamaker? And the only reason I used Marquis Chris in the story was because at the time we had Devontae and Lamelo. So I was like, well, if we're going to take one on, like Marquis right. Chris, we'd have his bird rights. We could resign him in the summer, and he plays like a position of need, and he's like a love threat guy. Um, so he kind of maybe makes more sense to take on. Uh, and also at the time, Brad Wanamaker was in the Warriors rotation, so I thought the Warriors would want to more likely to keep him. But if I'd written that article earlier this week, knowing that we had that hole at back at point guard, I, I would have literally name dropped him. The only difference was I thought Charlotte were going to be able to get a second round pick because by dealing with Brad Wanamaker, the, that saves the Warriors like something like 5.8 or just over 6 million. Yeah, like and way, way more pay. than his salary. Yeah, like because their way luxury more. tax bill is like ballooning right now because look because so, uh, that's that's the disappointing thing when i first saw the news come came, come through i i thought it was like almost guaranteed that we would be getting a second round pick and uh, the warriors own minnesota's 2021 second and i was like oh we haven't got like an early second have we because right now both of our second round picks this year are down in the 50s it's like uh, it's brooklyn's and it's the clippers second round picks which are like gonna be awful so I thought we're like, oh, we're going to bag a good second here, but not to be, according to Anthony Slater, one of the Warriors reporters, there's there's no picks involved in the Brad Wanamaker trade. So we are literally just taking him on to be guard depth, which I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit disappointed in. Like I, you know, I was hoping we'd be that dumping ground for someone to take on a player and we'd be able to get a pick. And unfortunately, it's not played that that way. But the Hornets have still picked up a guy who is a veteran NBA guard, he fits a position of need, and he's gonna help this team if he's needed down the stretch. And and like, if they'd have filled that 15th roster spot in the summer, I don't think you would have got someone as good as Brad Wanamaker. So eventually I think it was worth keeping that roster spot open. Yeah, and I, I'm very glad that they did use it because if they, I had already decided that if they had rolled through the trade deadline, then I was going to have to make a tweet uh, that made fun of Michael Jordan's financial situation, which is not something a human being should have to do. Thankfully, I don't because they actually did use the roster spot. I don't, it doesn't matter that it was who it was on. They just needed some a body in there because, you know, if you want to make the playoffs, you need fresh bodies because you never know what type of situation would arise. But you know what? I, th- I think Eric Collins is going to have a lot of fun with Brad Wanamaker, too, because uh, when he played for the Celtics, his nickname was Plumber Brad, which is a hilarious nickname. And, and that is definitely like way up Eric's alley. So I, I, I someone needs to tell him that that is what Celtics fans nicknamed him. 
Is so that on Basketball Reference? Because I think that's where Eric Collins gets his his nicknames. So if it's on there... Ah, uh, no, it's not. It's not it, He doesn't... Okay, we this is like the first time I've seen this. We need to Basketball Reference. We need to tweet them and be like, you need to update your nicknames. Yeah, they do. Because he doesn't even have one. Like, usually everyone has something. Even if you've literally never heard it in your entire life, Some usually everybody has a nickname. But like he doesn't Malik have Monks, a single one. Malik Monks is really weird. It's something I've like never, ever heard before. I've seen it on Basketball Reference before. Um, yeah, ben, ben Simmons is the one that I always remember because he has like six of them and no one has ever called him by any of them. I'm going to look up Malik Monks right now. This is, yeah, basketball reference nicknames. Oh, Leek, which, you know, that's just his short for his name, which isn't, that's not really a nickname. And then God of Dunk. Which yes, is, God of Dunk. That's the one. Yeah, like no one's ever, no one's ever said those words, like that phrase, not to mention about Malik. It's, I don't know where they get these. I really God need to, dunk. we need to call or contact basketball reference and ask them how they get these nicknames and how they assign them and how Brad Wanamaker just didn't get one. His Instagram is, uh, is Philly bull as well. Cause he's from Philly. So I'm surprised they didn't even put that up there. Another thing just from Malik Monk's uh, basketball reference. I know we're getting sidetracked here. Did you know his name was pronounced Malik Monk rather than Malik Ma- Malik? Oh, like the like the M U H, like in M U H, M U H, Malik, Malik. That's that's news uh, to me. I had no idea. I've been calling Malik, Malik. I guess there's not much difference, right? But uh, I know what oh, you're saying. Though, yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, that's that's good to know. Now, well, you're right. We do learn something new every day. I can, Is there anything else that we got? We got to touch on the the Hornets. So, didn't give us much much podcast material for today. <laughs> well, hey, I, I can guarantee you there aren't many Hornets podcasts out there doing an emergency podcast for the Brad Wanamaker uh, trade. That's true. So That's true. But we, we are, are already we are in the territory. Um, have you seen the Keith Smith tweet? I know you've been at work today. Oh yes. The Keith Smith tweet about the Hornets being interested in Daniel Tice and yes. not eventually trading for him. Yeah, we're collecting uh, former Celtics players, but as long as we just keep getting the good ones, I guess that's fine. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but I just this is not a Celtics podcast, but them trading Tice for Mo Wagner to the Bulls is just absolutely stupid to begin with. Save, to save money. That's all it is. It's, it's so stupid. These guys that own these teams are multi, multi-billionaires. You can pay, like, one guy, like, an extra million dollars or and something. And he's, like, maybe, He's good. He's good. He, he's, like, maybe your closing five in the yeah right yeah he was a lot of the time for them last year like that's why i I was so happy when i saw that keith smith tweet because tice if he he's makes five million dollars this year like a starting level nba center making five million dollars is exactly what the hornets need because they need to spend that money on like like overpaying good wings and guards and things like that so yeah. filling out the center position cheaply, like you could probably get Tice for the mid-level exception next year, which I think would be like a two-year, like $18 million deal, I think. I will actually probably change given the salary cap, but this year, that's what it is. But I would be, I'd be totally into that. Like if they don't like want to go like the high, like get a t- really talented center that makes a lot of money, he would be like the perfect pickup because he'd fit well with anybody, plays defense, he can shoot a little bit, he can pass. He's just not really bad at anything. Like yeah. it, it would be, it would be a very good fit if they were to uh, look at him. And for those of you who've not seen the tweet, Keith Smith MBA, he was a, he's a relatively well, well-known guy on Twitter. I will say Keith is one of those reporters where he throws a lot at the wall, and some of it sticks, and some of it doesn't. He's not 
not, you know, watch Shams, Chris Haynes, reliable here. Right. Um, yeah. He circulates a lot of rumours and a lot of which don't come true, right? But he says, the Hornets were interested in Daniel Tice per a source. Charlotte will look at signing Tice in free agency this summer. And you think, well, why on earth have the Hornets, if they really wanted him, like the, the Wizards gave up Mo Wagner, who they just like declined, who has the declined fourth year options. He's basically an expiring contract. Why like Charlotte could have put in a, a better offer than that. The reason I think Charlotte were not interested is because as part of that deal, the Celtics also sent Javante Green. Yes. Okay? They had to include him in the package. So this was to get under, under out of tax, basically. Now, if the Charlotte Hornets were to receive Javante Green as well, that means the Charlotte Hornets have to create an additional roster spot as well as, well, unless they voided the Wanamaker trade, but they would have had to basically get rid of a Biz, um, a, I don't know. Um, what, it would what have them? to be him. I can't even think of it, who Yeah, it would have to be Biz, you're right. It, that was all it could be. And, like, I, I'd be on board with that, but to swallow, like, three and a half million – um, like they might just look at that and go, you know what? We don't really want to take on that extra salary. We want the backup guard depth, and we'll just we'll just look at this in the summer. But the other thing, a little bit, I do think Tice is the kind of player that he'd play in the same matchups where PJ would play five. Like mm-hmm. he, he just, that's where like Tice has got his strength. But we already have PJ plays that. So, but I, I still think he could play with PJ at times, and he, he'd be much better than Biz. So it's interesting they didn't pull the trigger on that. I. The fact that they didn't makes me do it makes me just question how accurate is this report? Like how interested were the Hornets and Ties? I just don't know. Yeah, that's true. If they were, I guess if they were really interested, they would have just gotten him instead of Wanamaker and just been like, hey, Hayward, Malik, Terry, Devontae, these are our ball handlers. I mean, that, that would have been a better move. I have to say. Yeah, no, it, it would it would have it certainly would have been like more impactful yeah for sure like that that would help their team like way like way 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 more than this trade would because i mean tice would maybe start like he is i mean he is better than cody zeller but like he might like he might just come off the bench anyway but he certainly would have lifted their center rotation from i definitely the worst in the league to at least close to average and like that would have helped a lot if they're down the stretch and for a play-in tournament but it's, I, I think they just don't really care that much about, like, the s- win and loss success of the season. Like, I think that they're just kind of being like, hey, we got a franchise cornerstone. A lot of our other guys are still developing. Like, Malik Monk seems to have finally came on after in his fourth season. Like, let's just add some pieces that will help guide these guys through the rest of the season. And then in the off season, we can really get down to business and, like, put together the puzzle and make a team that can compete. But because I think if they, if they were, if they really were focused on the playoffs or competing like at a high level this year, they would have traded for a center, right? Like well, they would have done what the Bulls did. Yeah. Know, they would yeah, multiple, they multiple done firsts on the table, like putting a young player in to get Beach. Like you're telling me that Charlotte couldn't have done the exact same deal for Beach by putting PJ Washington and two first yeah, on the table. Exactly. And PJ is better than Wendell. Yeah, Orlando, yeah, Orlando would have taken that deal, and Charlotte sure. didn't want to. And I agree with that. Like, I was on board with the Vooch signing, but for that price, no, I'm out. Like, I, I'm just out. And I think we've seen, especially in the last couple of games, PJ Washington really showing some stuff. So, yeah, for sure. And I think that you know, Hornets fans might be upset. I guess that they didn't really quote unquote do anything because they didn't add any players 
of impact or that were notable, but like they didn't give anything up. Like literally, like they did, not only did they not give up a 2027 protected second round pick, they gave up absolutely nothing, and they returned a player that is of NBA caliber. Like that's a you, that's a good trade. They got and, better. They got better. Yeah, they got like better. Up, absolutely, nothing. absolutely. A lot and a lot of teams gave up things and still can't say that. So like, that's fine. Like you, what P? I think people are just like they just want them to be to break through and be good now that they're like decent so quickly, but it, it does like take time. Like people don't like probably hate hearing that. Cause it's like, it's just boring to just sit and watch a team be average for so long, I guess, but it does take time to build a winner. Like, and the Hornets were not going to build a winner today by tr- making trades. Like that's just not, it's just not, yeah, wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Is, the, the other thing is people just like trades. Like, yeah, it's people just, just like it's trades just and like to go. Oh, we've got a new shiny toy. Like, and I, I like, I, I, I do too. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's great fun. Uh, and yes, I always wish that they make a big trade because it gives us something to talk about and it's exciting and it breathes like life into the second half of the season. But look, we we see all the time like Rich Cho made a lot of trades. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. How did that turn out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, eight eight year, however many years of just exceeding average basketball play so yeah now we're trying the other side of the or other hand and see how that works out and I'm, I'm fine with it honestly i i figured they might stand pat and they did sir for the yeah. most part so well i think that might be that might be everything really just a just a quick one here for for the trade deadline emergency brad want to make a podcast i mean there's i can guarantee there hasn't been any of those in the history of the world before so yeah that might be a unique like podcast title if you if you yeah. google emergency brad wanamaker podcast that's the only one that will come up We're, we, we might be the first the one there. yeah absolutely you got any any other quick thoughts before we let these people go and contemplate the uh the rest of the season with star star point guard brad wanamaker no just that um we will be back uh probably early next week in your feeds with a with our, our regular show um other thing just to check out um i actually posted a couple of videos on my twitter account at british underscore buzz this week i I asked some questions to jb before after the houston game and got some really insightful answers like and i I was able to record it and post it up on there one was a little bit about the the kind of hornets development system and why why it makes them kind of so good and the second one being about kind of the cohesiveness of this team and, and how special it is and I mean, JB spent like two and a half minutes answering one of the one of the questions. Yeah. Took up quite a lot of the availability, so I would uh, I'd really encourage people to go and and look at those uh, two videos because they were they were great answers. I uh, really appreciate JB's time for that. Yeah, that I I watched that last night as well, and that was really awesome. That it was a good question, first of all. So props to you on that one. But he that was really great how in depth he went, and you can tell it's something that they like take pride in as a coaching staff, like being able to. Sure just go in and work with these players and have it like actually produce tangible results, especially so quickly. Like he's only, he's in not even done with his third season as a head coach. So that's pretty good for the players that he's been coaching to improve at the level that they have so far. I definitely recommend anybody to go watch that. I recommend everybody tune in to at the hive live for our next episode and all of the other podcasts on the at the hive feed. We've got a lot of good stuff here for you. So thank you all for tuning in. I am Chase with James, and we will see you on our next episode.
And another reminder to just disregard uh, references to time and date that we make right now. Uh, the recording for this week's episode was a little, uh, um, uh, I could say, poorly scheduled or uh, coordinated between the two of us. So anything, it might sound weird the way that we're referring to things in terms of time, but our points remain the same. And welcome back to At The Hive Live. James and I are going to run a uh, two-man second half of the show this week uh, with no guests this time around, but we do have a few topics that we're eager to discuss. Uh, after the trade deadline has passed us by, a uh, few big men have become available on the buyout market. The Hornets have been connected to Andre Drummond. Uh, Gorgie Jang was bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies. He could be a potential target as well. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is out there, but I think... Uh, there's no no rumor that's connected him to the Hornets so far, but I, we, the Hornets would have to waive someone to add a player on the buyout market as well, James. What do you think the possibilities of that happening are? Because Mitch did bring it up in a press conference, but I mean, I didn't watch the press conference, but uh, I think Rod Boone tweeted out that he didn't seem overly enthused about the idea of waiving someone just to bring in a new player. Yeah, I would give it an under 10% chance. Honestly, yeah. I, I think it's very unlikely to happen. I think there's been a lot of talk and a lot of frustration in Hornets fandom, my sense, over the last 24 to 48 hours about something that I don't think is ever going to happen. Um, I mean, I think it was Chris Haynes who tweeted out the Charlotte being linked to Andre Drummond. But then later on the same day, Woj was on SportsCenter or some show. He lists the teams that Drummond was was looking at Charlotte was not on that list so and I trust Woj in these kinds of things like if, if Woj isn't kind of directly linking a team to someone then I, I just don't see it being a possibility I think Drummond met with the Celtics the other day he's also wanted by the Lakers I, and, and the Clippers in the Knicks so I, I just don't see a world where, where Drummond ends up in Charlotte um, I guess it's, it's, it's fun to talk about though which is why we're talking about it on the pod uh, but I, I think it's really unlikely. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where Andre Drummond would end up with the Hornets because, like, we've been through this with him multiple times. Like, if, if Mitch Kupchak wanted Andre Drummond on the Hornets, like, he would he would have been here already, like, yeah. at a, a, some point. Like, there have been rumors about him, I think, the last three years at a certain point. Like, it's been, they've been connected to Andre Drummond, like, one way or another. And what now, is that, it, is that Scoop? Who's that guy? What's the name of Twitter? Scoop, whatever. Oh, Scoop B. Yeah, Scoop oh, B. Oh, yeah, Scoop B. Firstly, if you put Scoop in, <laughs> yeah, Scoop in B. your name, like, just get the hell out of here. Like, who are you? He just throws shit at the wall. Yeah. Like, he's been tweeting that drummer link for three years to Charlotte. It's just hilarious. So, firstly, I don't know what the opposite of a shout out, but whatever that is to Scoop, not a fan. Yeah, no, he, he definitely does not seem to have very much uh, evidence behind that rumor because it's been popping up for a long time and has not even come close to happening. This is like the closest I would say. And then it only really happened for like four hours before the, between the Chris Haynes tweet and then Woj going on sports center and not listing the Hornets as a destination for Andre Drummond. And I've actually, I was surprised at how many people just on the internet, like not even Hornets fans, like seemed to convince themselves that it was a possibility that he would go there. Yeah. First, like, first of all, I, well, I think it's just because they have salary cap space next year, which like, is like, okay, he wants to be make a lot of money. The Hornets can theoretically pay him that. So why not just have him go there? But 
the Hornets don't, they're not going to do that. Nobody is going to, is going to give him a lot of money. I don't think, but it's definitely not going to be the Hornets. And he is currently like, I think people want him to come in and solve the rebounding problem, but the Hornets aren't even like a terrible rebounding team. I think they're like, they're 16th in defensive rebounding percentage and they're 17th in offensive rebounding percentage. So they're basically an average rebounding team, which is, is obviously not good. Yeah. They're, they're 15th in rebounding, total rebounding percentage. So they're exactly average, which isn't well, terrible. This is, so this is really annoying. This is one thing I was going to ask Borrego about before the Melo got injured, because I went back to figure out when the Melo came to starting line. And our rebounding point up to that point was 30th in the league. And actually, since the Melo was a made a starter up when he got injured, we were eighth in the NBA in defensive rebounding. Like, we we went from the worst in the league to being, uh, you remember watching early in the season, like, Clint Capella would just, like, get five offensive rebounds in a row. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you couldn't help but watch the game. It looked so awful. We talked about how it looks really bad. But but now, that just doesn't seem to happen quite to the same level. Um so yeah, it's it's not as big an issue as as it was earlier in the season. No, and I like I also think Andre Drummond like isn't going to solve that problem that, that that much. Like he is not what what he used to be. He is him and him Blake Griffin and Victor Oladipo and Marcus Cousins like are the four players probably from like the quote unquote previous era, like the the mid twenty tens or of, of NBA that have just like their name precedes how well that they play now because Andre Drummond is currently he's a good rebounder but he is a terrible defensive player like really really not effective on the floor basically since he like the beginning of last season in Detroit like before he got traded he has not been effective on defense he's currently shooting 52 percent at the rim right now being 611 and like 270 pounds that should not even be like physically possible for him to only make half of his attempts at the rim. So he would not help anything that the Hornets need help with at like, so I don't really think that that would either make sense beyond the fact that it's just not even possible to happen because like if the Lakers or the Nets or the Clippers are like, Hey, come play for us. Why would he not do that over the Hornets? I agree. And I, I do think, like, you're saying there's zero chance. I do think there is a chance that Drummond could help this team in, in a specific role. The question has always been with Drummond is, is he willing to buy into that role? If he just yeah, that's him, true. dive to the rim, like, didn't worry about trying to, you know, do three crossovers and trying to score an ISO. Um, if he was more disciplined on defense and didn't foul um, and kind of gave, like, the effort that, you, you know, you'd hope from him, there's a role where I think he could help this team. Um, it's not as a starter playing 35 minutes a night and having the offense run through. That's not no. how he helps this team at all. We get worse. But if he's playing 16 minutes off the bench in that role, then then I could see it. And, you know, Borrego could potentially get the best out of him. But th- this is the kind of the question I, I came back to. And I think Kupchak also said in the press conference that this team, like something that he uh, was aware of, was he didn't want to disrupt like the positive flow within this team right now. And you can see this after the other night, like this team has got something special that if you could bottle up and and give to every single team, every single season, they would outperform their ability because that's what they've done all year. And it's, it's through hard work. It's through the coaching staff, but it's also just through the connection, the cohesiveness 
that this team has. And you take a guy like Biz out, who's, you know, vice president of the Players Association, let's say you waive him for a Jeng or a Drummond. Yeah, they might be better players, but the impact that could have on the wider locker room, I, I can understand Kutchuk right now. It's not like we're, we're scrounging around, really struggling at the moment. We're still playing well. So I can understand why Mitch doesn't want to disrupt that locker room by, by you know, having to waive one of the senior veterans uh, just to bring in a guy who's going to be a rental for three months. I, I can completely understand it. And like, we've, we've batted bits on this pod. Like, let's, let's be fair. And he's yeah. now starting the last three games and he's, he's been okay. Yeah, team, he hasn't been that bad. The, 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 the team's, team's playing well with him um, in, in that starting lineup for the most part. And... He's, he's a really good veteran presence on this team. So I, I understand the conservative approach. And, and even if Jeng or like Jeng wanted to come to Charlotte, I didn't think it's a, like a no-brainer. Like I prefer Jeng over Drummond, and that's something we can maybe talk about. But I still think I might just say, you know what? I don't want to mess. Whatever we have right now is special. It's not something you can get every year. And I think the last time Charlotte had it was that McRoberts year, yeah, when they played Miami in the playoffs. Yes. Like, that was the year. And I remember everyone saying, like, they, they, if you could bottle it up, Marvin Williams said he'd never been in a locker room like it since being at UNC. I think we have that again now. And we've got to treasure it, protect it, because it's not something that just, like, it, well, the Warriors had that, it went. And it will go at Charlotte. There'll be some point where things just aren't quite the same, uh, but right now, like protect it because that is more powerful than any guy who can maybe hit 1.3 threes a game or block one more shot per game. Yeah, that's completely true. The chemistry that they have going now, like they're they're doing this well in spite of the problems that they have. Like the problems that they have, like aren't holding them back from doing better. Like they're just way like playing way over their heads already. Like an adding Jang isn't gonna do that much to this team like or even Andre like what is Andre Drummond the difference between a first round victory and losing in the first round no like no not even relatively close like if you're being like oh they we could drop like Carl Anthony Towns on this team the Timberwolves buy him out yeah maybe we're talking about adding a guy that can make a difference on your team but you know players are on the buyout market for a reason like they're more useful for teams that need like the 10th guy or like just one extra guy for like matchup purposes in the playoffs. But like the Hornets aren't quite at that. Like they would need multiple of those players to like really make a difference go like in the big picture. So yeah, I don't think it's worth disrupting the chemistry either. And like, cause you basically would have to cut biz unless you're going to cut like a Martin twin or the Jalen McDaniels, which I really don't see them doing. In well, that the other one that I thought of before this pod was like, who would you even cut right now? Yeah, if you, exactly. If you Brago, after the last three games, unquestionably you would cut Cody Zeller over Biz. Now I know. No, right, yeah, you're got, probably right. Yeah. We've, we've got a sample size of like three years between Cody and or two years of Cody and Biz. And I said the other night, it's like a seesaw. Like how many times, have we gone back and forth between like, yeah, Biz is buried on the bench. Cody's so great. And then it, something happens and then Biz reemerges. And we just go back and forth, like for the last two years, back and forth. Um, but I, I, I generally wonder, the other thing is by, by waving Cody, you'd probably actually save more money because, um, you know, the, the size of contract that he's on. Now, again, I, I would personally wave, wave Biz because I think Cody's better than Biz. And I, I still think for this 
team to reach its highest ceiling, I think you need to be starting Cody, Zeller, not Biz, long-term. Um, but right now, I think that would be maybe a discussion, which is crazy to think. If you think back at multiple times a season, you'd be like, you know, Cody's had such good first quarters or first halves where you think, oh my God, like he's just so underrated. And then it, it kind of just doesn't quite follow through. He doesn't have that consistency. Yeah, and I want to talk about this as well. Just if, because if, if they were to cut, because I think it probably would end up being Cody, honestly, just because. You think? Yeah, like I think it might be just because he would be like a, a buyout candidate in his own right, almost. He would be. I mean, like, I, mean like, I would rather have Cody Zeller over Gorgi, Gorgi Jang and. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think I'd probably have him, yeah. I would, especially if I was like a really good team that just needs. That's why I wouldn't cut him to get them, by the way. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. Has a different point of view than. Yeah, well, yeah. Then we would just have to see how that goes. But do you think? What do you think that Jang is better than Drummond in his own right, specifically for the Hornets? Because I mean, Gorgie Jang is making one three per game this year at forty-seven point nine percent from from beyond the arc. So. and he's not, he, you know, he's not a flamethrower shooter. He's like no, a, yeah, he's not a shooter. He's a but... career 36% shooter from three. He's obviously having a very good year. Um, I would prefer Jeng because Jeng is someone who knows his role. So he, he's he's going to be willing to, to play to his role. Drummond, I, we've seen it time and time again. He cannot buy into a role. And that, that's a big problem I have. The other thing with Jeng is he'd immediately become a best three-point shooter from a kind of a traditional big point of view. Better three-point shooter than Cody. Obviously better than big. A biz. So if you're talking about trying to trying to stretch teams out, that's something that he can do that that Drummond can't. Um, so and he's actually you know a decent passer as well, and not quite as turnover prone. So I I think I would prefer Jeng, um, just because I, I think he fits into that role more and he can stretch the floor. Yeah, the role thing is like the entire reasoning for me too. Like it, yeah. you can tell Gorgie Jang, like, hey, you might not play some nights. Like you, you'll get a DNP three games in a row, and then you might play twelve minutes a game for a week. But and he's uh, uh, like, uh, he's going to accept that. Like he, he's not a type of player that's gonna be like, no, if I get bought out, I'm gonna go play twenty eight yeah. minutes a game or so. Like it's just not like that's not a plausible scenario that would happen. So I would, I could see him coming to the Hornets being a lot more likely. But again, like like we said, it's just not plot like possible really plausible because of that they like there's nobody that they would cut like it'd be different if they had really soured on like Jalen McDaniels or the a Martin twin or something and they were just like oh this one point whatever million dollar contract that's not even guaranteed for next year we can just cut them loose now but they're no, not going to do that, that. no, no there's just, no chance they do that the only other thing I thought of is that do you like if you're really happy with Monk and Terry's ear, that you wave Watermaker, who you've just traded for. Right? That's I get. That's true. I didn't really think about that, but I guess they wouldn't like they wouldn't have traded for him if they were planning on waving him for a bit. Like they would have traded for a big man. You know what I mean? I like, I've, but then the other thing is, you look at your roster construction. You then have Biz, Cody, Nick, Vernon, and, and like, yeah, and a buyout and guy. Like, right, right. You have like five of your fifteen guys who can play one position, like yeah. plus PJ, who you probably want to play some five as well. So you're like. Five and a half guys, one, it just doesn't seem like good roster allocation, especially when you got a guy that injured. But from a, like, I, I can understand people suggesting that, but again, I just, I just don't think that's practical from a, from a team building standpoint. No, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, the chemistry thing earlier, because that's a nice segue into our next topic. Uh, I saw 
some uh, Dylan Jackson tweeted yesterday that that there's we might have to get started some Malik Monk most improved player or six man of the year buzz if he keeps it up averaging like close to 20 points per game shooting really well from all over the floor but I think that what is a little bit more likely given Malik wasn't in the rotation for the first uh, 11 or 12 games of the year is James Borrego picking up some coach of the year buzz like the Hornets are in fourth, right? Or I think they they fell to fifth last or at a certain point. The standings jumble every day so much that I don't remember. But they are above the cutoff, well above the cutoff for a playing game right now. If they stay in that range, like I don't know who has a, like more of a compelling argument for Coach of the Year other than like Quinn Snyder or Monty Williams with the Jazz and Suns respectively. Maybe like doc rivers in philly but like other than that like i it comes back to borrego like there's no team that's like overachieving or like uh exceeding expectations to the degree that the hornets are like by even a mile like nobody that was i think the hornets were like 28th in the power rankings in some places at the beginning of the year and now they're like fourth in the east so if they finish fourth in the east it's a lock call it in like he is coach of the year There, there is it doesn't matter who else does what He's coach of the year. If they, I don't think they'll finish fourth. And this is where if they drop down into that six to 10 range, then I think you start, you know, other people start making other arguments about other guys, Quinn Snyder with Jazz, dep- depending how teams finish. Um, yeah, uh, but if, if they finish fourth, yeah, lock it in. Lock it in right now. There is, there is no way he would not win coach of the year. Yeah, and I think that, like, Going into the season, I don't think that many people like expected him to be like coach of the year candidate, but I feel like he's always had like a pretty good reputation among at least people that like watch Hornets games. So it's at least like good to see the fruits of his labor basically paying off because with how hard he works on player development and stuff like that is is finally coming to fruition. And it's like it would benefit him, which is it would be a nice thing to see to him get an award for that after you know, basically playing over their heads for since the day that he got on the job. Like even his first year when they were like trying to make the playoffs, like they were probably better than they should have been. He's doing a fantastic. There is no coach who I think has outperformed his talent in Charlotte that I can remember since since I started following the team. Clifford, like Clifford had probably a, a better team, but I, I think he had more veteran players. He had a group of like well-established NBA players. I've never – Jabrego has got this team to outperform its its total talent level time and time again. They are overmatched by size, from skill, um, every single night almost. And this team just brings it. So – and that's not like – that's not just the in-game coaching, the player development aspect as well that we've talked about time and time again. Like all these guys that, that – how many times this year we have like all Hornets first and second round picks out on the floor? Like it's a regular occurrence these days. Um, so he's, I mean, he's having a heck of a year. It, we just got to see how these last set of games go. Next couple of months is going to be going to be key. It's going to be key. Yeah, if they finish at top, I'll get. I mean, I would even give him like top five or six, and then he's probably at least a finalist for for the award. And if they finish fourth, like I would be very surprised if he's not if he doesn't win that award it, it would be it would be awesome if he if he actually ended up doing that like no matter where they or what they did in the playoffs or anything if they Coach came out of the, of the year, year with that of the year, 
Yeah, that would be, yes, exactly. Like that would be a, a very successful season in the eyes of the front office if they end, because that's basically two levels of your organization are succeeding in exactly the way you thought. Like your, the coaching staff you hired is doing exactly what you wanted them to do. And then you nailed your draft pick and he is exceeding the expectations that you had, which is perfect. And it, it roll the, the, the team going forward is just in such a good spot. And so much of that is due to like just the players being good, but like a good account, a good part of it is also Borrego instilling like the correct philosophies and giving, putting these guys in positions to succeed and develop and, and to the best of their ability. You know what could uh, tip the scales for his coach of the year campaign? What? Chase, do you know what the Southeast divisional standings are right now? Oh, the Hornets are in first, right? Because uh, uh, Southeast is terrible. Six and one in division, Charlotte. Atlanta three and three. The Heat are five and five. The Wizards one and six. Orlando four and four. How does the Charlotte Hornets Southeast division winners banner? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. We want a Southeast division banner. If we win a banner... To hang this year, I mean that is our championship. I'm so. Oh, yeah. I know people make fun of bad like divisional banners, but for this team, for this team specifically, like I will, that's worth a parade. Can you have a parade in Charlotte for a Southeast divisional banner? I don't see why not. You could definitely have some sort of uh, some f- festivities. I, that would that is a worth sell. I didn't even realize that 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 they'd get to do that. Like that because they're way ahead of them in the division. Because I don't know if like your overall conference record weighs into the division, the same thing. Cause like divisions like make no difference in the NBA at all. So I don't know how they weigh it, but that would be pretty, that would be awesome if they ended up winning the division and they got to hang a like, yeah. division champions, 2020, 2021. We got, I mean, we've got, we're six and one in the division. Who did they lose to? Uh, oh, they, they lost to Atlanta. Didn't they? I think they lost to Atlanta like way early on right, in the year. Right, because we still got to play the Heat one more time like, in the season. Yeah. We got to play the Heat once more. We got to play the Hawks once more. Oh no, they lost to the Magic. Remember, it was that they got like blown out by the Magic, and everyone was like, "Oh God, this team is disgusting." Because it was okay. like the that was when the the we need a rebounder problems really came to a head. I think because they twenty seven back to backs because we won the next one, didn't we? Yeah, because yeah, Gordon Hayward hit that uh like not buzzer beater but yeah go ahead with like however many seconds left okay now it's coming back to us but uh what do you think about malik monk potentially being a most improved i guess most improved is probably more likely than six man but what do you think about that because he he has the numbers that kind of indicate that but they are if you take out the first 11 games it would definitely seem like he would be a candidate for it but he just didn't play for I guess it would be what one seventh of the season by the time that it's over. So uh, what do you think his chances are for that? To win the award, almost zero, because there's always someone who's done it over. Like if someone's close, you'll always go for the tiebreaker of someone who's done it for the whole season, because that is yeah. a great achievement. Um, but I think he could be a finalist. If he scores like, you know, 18 to 22 points per game for the rest of the way here while, while the Mellow's out, taking advantage. Um, I, I think he could be a finalist, especially if the Charlotte Hornets are winning and, and outperforming. You know, it's, it's another, the narrative kind of fits, I think. Um, he plays a style like sixth man of the year or like most of They always kind of have to have big scoring jumps. Like that's essential. And his on paper is not great right now. It's like 13 points or so. Uh, up from like 10.5 last year. But if he can butt that up to like 15 points per game for these last last 30-odd games, 
I think I could think he can get in and amongst it. He'll get some votes. Yeah, and I could definitely see him being able to like boost his numbers enough to get himself up there. I don't think he would win it either, just because like we also saw last year that if you just if you play for the Hornets, that's just uh, automatic like knock on whatever resume that you have because. You know, like we, I think we mentioned this as well. Devonte clearly should have won that, and he didn't. So if Malik is even slightly obscure that he shouldn't win, then there's just no chance that he's going to. But if he no, gets up to like 15, I think he could be close. I, you, you think Devonte should have won last year, hands down? Yeah, like I, I, I think that especially given the fact Brandon Ingram was like a really high draft pick and was expected to be an All Star, I think that it was like more like the definition of most improved, like who improved the most was certainly Devante. De- Brandon Ingram's jump was most impactful, but the, it's not like most impactful improvement award. It's, mm-hmm. it's just most improvement. It, it's always so hard on that award because it's like- that, well, Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The people that vote for NBA awards and, and it just basketball awards in general, because college is the same way, but people that vote for these awards, like I have no clue. They don't have any parameters for it. They just do it. Yeah. every year I, I, look, I think no question Devontae should have been a finalist the fact that he wasn't in the top yeah three, that was that was completely re- ridiculous that's criminal like fire people who like who not going to top three but winning the award I, I'm not I'm not spiteful about him like not winning it because I think there was a load of good candidates last year so that was my yeah I think he should have been 100% top three but I, I don't think it's like definitely should have won it because I just think you get pegged down a little bit when you go from somebody who never really played in the NBA. Yeah, that's true. It's easy to argue. Well, his jump's the biggest because he played in the G League. But if he'd have got minutes, would he have actually been able to show something and the jump wasn't as big as it seems on paper? I, I don't know. But but yeah, I, I think this year Malik's definitely, definitely probably going to be in the running. Yeah, and I think he could be. And I feel like the kind of like the minutes thing for uh, what we said with Devontae, like, his he those first like 11 or 12 games is 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 going to hurt him like quite a bit because if he had played and produced at the level that he is now he'd probably be averaging like 16 points a game or something like that and who knows how many extra 20 or 30 point games he would have had or coming off the bench to add to his season total so i mean for february he averaged six points a game right (laughs) yeah in this february sorry in in uh yeah January, yeah, okay, yeah. Six points a game. Then February's up to 16. March is at about 13 and a half at the moment. And basically, whenever like he's got the playing time, he's, he's really produced. He's just struggled to get the minutes. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's kind of been his thing for his whole career. But we're here now. And I don't think we're going back at this point because uh, he's more than established himself as a rotation player. But we got a a nice uh, long road trip coming up again after we just got back from a nice long road trip out West. This one, the Hornets are staying at least on the East coast, but what do you think? What are, I guess, what is your overall expectation for the upcoming road trip for the Hornets that spans the next six games? To continue to be pleasantly surprised as I have all year. Like, we'll, we'll probably go out and, like, lose to Washington in the first game. And we'll be like, oh, God, here it comes. And then we'll probably, like, beat, you know, Brooklyn and Indiana in a row. And we'll be like, oh, the Hornets are awesome again. Like, it's, um, I don't know. I think, look, we've got the, the road trip is at Washington, at Brooklyn, at Indiana, at Boston, at OKC, and at Milwaukee. 
So really, I think the minimum number of wins one out of that is two. That's Oklahoma City, Washington. If you can steal a, an Indiana game, a Boston game, that'd be great. I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee will be hard. You know, I know we beat Brooklyn Nets earlier in the season, but that was a very different looking Brooklyn Nets team and they're really rolling. Um, Milwaukee Bucks, they won't, had won eight in a row just before the Celtics beat them the other night. So I think two is the minimum. If you can get three or four, good job. Anything above that, we're in cloud cookie land. Let's, you know, let's get to get excited. Yeah, two two's the bar for me. I mean, I'm looking at, like, just looking at which teams are good and which teams are bad. They beat Washington, Oklahoma City. I'll take a loss to any any of the Milwaukee, Boston, Indiana, Brooklyn teams. Like, they're all good enough to lose to and be like, you know, that can happen. But losing to the other uh, Wizards and Thunder would be, you know, there might be some complaints that it would rightfully arise from a game like that. But I think the that Boston game is going to be interesting, obviously, because the Hornets have half of their old players, especially with Wanamaker in the fold now. But it's also uh, they have the Celtics have been resting Kemba Walker on back to backs, uh, like the second night of a back to back for the entire season. Like he played on uh, Friday and in the blowout win against the Bucks, but he won't play Saturday because um, because of his knee. But that's not a back to back for Boston, so he will play that game. So. That, you know he wants to play against Charlotte. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. It's like if it wasn't if it was was a back to back, like he probably would have been like standing right next to Brad Stevens coaching on the sidelines, like trying to make sure that they won that game. So <laughs> I'm sure that he's gonna come out with you know some sort of motivation. Not that not like angry motivation, because first of all, he doesn't get angry about anything, and second of all, he wouldn't be angry at the Hornets for anything. He just wants to beat them because you know, he's, he's the greatest Hornet of all time. And he wants to make sure that everybody currently on the Hornets knows that. So some, some other good, like little nuggets to be aware of as well. Uh, we played Brooklyn on Friday. They are on a back-to-back. So the night before they're playing Houston, although, you know, they, yeah, can probably, they might end up resting people. <laughs> they might end up resting. But if, if like, depending, we've got some of the guys there who like manage injuries and they've been managing the vets all year, that, that might be something where they, they rest guys, but I don't like like you say. I imagine they rest them in that Houston game rather than the Charlotte one. Uh, the other one is OKC without Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's had like a, an ongoing injury, um, and they've kind of ruled him out kind of indefinitely for a little while now. While I try to get to the bottom of it, so OKC without Shea is is a much less scary. Still not still not taken for granted. They're still, still in five still year, but much less scary than the than the kind of with him in the team. Yeah, and that Brooklyn game is uh is on TNT, so that's going to be the first of the national TV games in the second half. Oh, uh, yeah, that they get that one is the oh, and, and it's a Thursday game, so that would mean it's the uh like Chuck, Shaq, and Kenny crew, as opposed to the uh, like Dwayne Wade, Candace Parker. So we'll get to see if yeah. uh if the old if the old guys have any out, outlandish takes on the the Charlotte Hornets. It stinks that Lamelo isn't playing because I would have really liked to hear. Uh, their commentary on Lamelo. I'm sure it wouldn't have been a the great uh, the most gr- the greatest or most uh, intelligent or sound thing that would have ever came out of TNT's uh, production studio. But well, it's, nonetheless, it's you, bring, you bring up Lamelo Chase because also at Mitch Kupchak's press conference, he talked about how at first oh, they thought yes. he was going to be out for the year, and now we think he might be back. And then I I tweeted out the other day. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, a little bit of kind of like how I think he's going to return maybe before the end of the regular season, but definitely by the playoffs if Charlotte make it because he, he, he picked up the injury on March 23rd. 
the playoff tournament is on May the 18th. Now that's eight weeks. Now, currently he's being reevaluated within four weeks. And I thought he was going to have a, a full cast on his wrist. And I saw him at the game last night. And I don't know if you got a better look at this. I didn't see a full cast. I almost thought like just like a splint, like a wrist support rather than a cast. And that might be like, you know, if, if he doesn't even have a cast on, then, you know, he can resume maybe some kind of light workout in four weeks, couple of weeks rehab. I think he could be back, Chase. And I know the first thing you tweeted out was like, dear Lord, like, please do not rush the mother back. But I think it's going to happen. I think there's a real thing now. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they don't have to, like, push any buttons with it or anything, like if he's just like comes out and it's like, yeah, I feel completely fine and just is playing completely normally, then like, I guess just go for it. But that was also with the assumption that they would get worse without him and they have since won three games in a row two of them very convincingly although you know it's not you know beating the houston rockets convincingly isn't something you're gonna hang your hat on but still no, like i, I, mean, I, th- I, I thought <laughs> every single win I, they, I yeah, they're I, all me they all mean the same i remember when the nets were awful when the nets were really trying to suck we lost to them like twice in a year and like they only won like 10 games or something and like two mm. of them were against charlotte so, like, now I'm just like, nope, take nothing for granted. Enjoy every single win. I remember that, Ned. They were the worst team in the NBA before it was, it was the Hornets, I believe. That was only, like, two or three years or the, the, before the Bobcats set that record. <laughs> they were like, God, that team was so bad. That was bad. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not, not good thoughts with those two squads. A few other players with wrist injuries, which I, which I tweeted out. Nurkic broke his right wrist this year. Uh, it took him a full 10 weeks to come back. He was probably the longest guy I found and. Obviously, there's all different types of wrist injuries. You can just have a small little hairline fracture within kind of like the base of your hand. You can completely snap your forearm. You know, there's, there's so many different types of variables. But uh, Kyle Lowry, seven weeks. Bradley Beal, six weeks. Um, and Brad, Bradley Beal's was a, a fracture kind of at the base of the thumb, which is kind of what it looked like when Melo did his injury because he was kind of grabbing that base. Um, so I think six to ten weeks is that going to be that, that return period. So I think end of the regular season, playoffs, Melo could be back, which would be, that would be really fun. I'm, a, you know, like you said, I don't want them pushing him out there with like a cast on one arm and he's like dribbling with his left hand. <laughs> but um, if he's healthy and if he's good to go and the medical uh, crew sign him off, get him out on the court. Let's go. Yeah, if he's ready, then, le- then let him go. Because uh, the like... <laughs> the- I can feel you being like, yeah, well... If he's ready. Yeah, no, I just, I like, I just want, the thing is, I also, the overarching thing is like, I just want a, a one more decent draft pick. Like, that's the other thing. I don't, not that it like really matters that much. Like, I, I don't, I, like, I know in the moment when it comes to being like May or like late April, if he comes back, I'll be like, oh, awesome. Cause I just get to like watch him play and that's fun. And the Hornets winning games is a fun thing to watch. But in the, the grand scheme of things, I would like the Hornets to pick like 13th instead of 20th or so, or like 18th or something, just because that would be, you know, it's just better and easier for Mitch to pick higher in the draft. Apparently, if he can do a, what he does in the thirties, we've seen what happens when you give him a high draft pick, it works out pretty well. So I would just like to see that, but if he's, if he's ready, then they'll, they'll send it back and I, I won't complain at all. But, uh, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Is there anything you want to you wanna get out there before we let, let, let these people go? No, I'm just uh, looking forward to I think by next week, we'll have the Suns game, the Washington game, probably the Brooklyn game. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to see. Hopefully, you know, we do well over that stretch. And 
it's look this Hornets season continues to be fun like I was watching I think last night I laughed with like more times in the first half with some like the ridiculous shot making especially from like Malik Monk yeah. I was just sitting there laughing to myself and I was like god there's been whole seasons where I've watched this team and I've not had like a moment where I can be like man this is so fun and there's been so many this year so let's let's keep it up let's keep riding the wave fans are gonna be back in greater numbers um, I think a uh, sombrero man, Hector, tweeted me this morning saying uh, that the hive was very much alive last night, saying the cr- crowd was great. So I don't know, so many positive vibes. It's really helped me c- c- come over my lamella depression. So let's keep it going. Yes, positive vibes only in Charlotte this season. There is good energy is the only energy that is allowed around here. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of At The Hive Live. James and I will see you next week and have a good one.